The By the Hood podcast is sponsored by the Discover Your Options Bootcamp. Getting started with trading options may seem intimidating, but with Discover Your Options, you'll be up to speed faster than you could have ever imagined. No matter what your ultimate goal is, learn the basic skills and gain all the confidence needed to ultimately win in the exciting world of options. For more information, click the link under Discover Your Options in our show notes. And for 20% off, make sure to use the code BUYTHEHOOD, one word, for the 20% discount. The Buy the Hood podcast is brought to you by the book, Own Your Time and Space, written by Corey Camp and Jimmy the Blueprint Williams. All throughout history, you will see time and space as having significant importance, but never discussed as it will be in this book. You can learn the true importance of time and space and how having a better understanding of these concepts can lead to a better life. It deals with ownership of not only your time, but the space around you. You can get your copy at ownyourtimeandspace.com or you can go right to Amazon and look up Own Your Time and Space. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast slash webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host, as always, Jimmy. Um, and as we start the show, we always say thank you to our supporters for helping us to grow um, our platform. We appreciate all the support. And please continue to share this content. Continue to give us your feedback. Continue to tell us what you like or what you dislike about the content we're putting out there. But our objective is the same as to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work out there in the community um, from all walks of life. And uh, as usual, got my partner in crime, Corey, with me. Corey, how are you? Man. I'm living, living La Vida Loca. Yeah, you, you, you ducking, you ducking uh, the Roni out there, man. Are you, you good? Man, I don't gotta duck nothing, man. My immune system ready for war. I heard that. I heard that. Listen, um, this episode we want to highlight a brother who is doing amazing work, uh, in journalism. So I, I did a little research for you. Came on. I, I and funny thing is, I've read your work before, um, and didn't even put it together because I, I do read Philadelphia <laughs> magazine, but um, you, you contributed to CNN, um. Mm-hmm. I've seen you with Oprah. You got a war, you're a war-winning journalist. So, um, in the field of journalism, we have uh, Mr. Ernest Owens with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. You know, staying, staying in the house. You know, staying well read and writing. You know, and uh, doing my thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. listen, um, journalism. That's interesting. So, we we probably have a lot of people watching this who uh want to get involved in journalism or some young kids maybe watching this who, you know, um, want to know how they can get involved. And I know the um, journalism has changed over the last decade or so. Um, I, you know, especially for me, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a boomer. I'm younger than that, but um, in my lifetime, I've seen a complete shift in journalism. So um, getting into your story, where were you born, raised, uh, where'd you go to school and, and, you know, give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 28 years old. Um, I was born in Chicago in the way. Uh, my family's originally from there. Um, when I was around six, six, seven years old, um, I moved to Houston, Texas uh, with my mom and my um, brother. My mother and my um, father um, divorced, and so she moved to Houston, worked for a small company called PrimeCo that became Verizon Wireless, and uh, climbed up the corporate ladder there. And while I was still um, in Houston, um, my brother and I, um, we went to public school our entire lives. Um, I went to Ailey Felsic High School, which was a big, big, big high school, 5,000 kids, um, 1,000 in my graduating class. 
Um, Lizzo went to my high school. Beyonce went to my high school. Okay. Um, they didn't graduate and stay, but um, Rashard uh, Lewis, I think, went to my school. We had a lot of athletes, um, but I was um, not an athlete. Um, I was a very, uh, you know, every, you know, every, everybody, every man for everything kind of guy, a renaissance guy, as I would say. Um, I did theater arts. I did science fair. I was into school. I was a nerd, uh, but also popular. I was the class president and the valedictorian. Oh, nice. Um, and was super into school, very much into school. I got a scholarship, um, got a lot of great financial aid. I didn't pay tuition and got accepted to Penn. And wow. that's how I got to Philadelphia. Um, when I went to Philly, I was, um, um, went to Penn, studied communication and public service. Thought I was going to be a politician initially. Thought I was going to go the, the law school path. Because I always have to remind people that this was, I started Penn and came to Philly in 2010. So this was Obama in his, in his first term. So, you know, everybody, every black man at that time, you know, young, <laughs> they were like, you could be the president. And gotcha. I was the class president. So everyone was like, yeah, you're, the ne- you're next. And so I thought, oh, okay, this, this should be, this is the way, the way to go. But, you know, quickly fell in love with media, fell in love with storytelling and uh, changed my major um, early on in my years at Penn and took up communications and um, fell in love with it. Wrote for the school paper, did radio on campus. I did radio uh, for like four years, did internships at everywhere from NBC 10 to Philly Mag. I did everything and uh, quickly uh, branched into my professional career. But, you know, these are some of the- So what was it about journalism that- what was it about uh, journalism that made you just make that switch? Because, I mean, you're going to one of the best schools in the country. You, 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 figured, you think you got to figure it out in terms of what you want to do. And you just made a huge switch. What was it about journalism that drew you in? Well, I think for, for starters, I realized that the things that I wanted um, and the things that I think a lot of people want in politics or other careers, I saw in media. Like, I wanted the opportunity to be heard. I wanted to give my opinion. I wanted to make an impact on people in a very easy, direct way. I wanted a job that was uh, respectable and, uh, and respected. Um, I wanted something that made me feel like, you know, I could have some type of level of immediate impact. And I think there's no other career field, um, I think, outside of medicine and law enforcement that, or, or even education, that provides an immediate cross-sector type of field. I mean, when you think about it, everybody, no matter if you're a lawyer, a doctor, a politician, a social worker, a factory worker, everyone needs the news. Yeah. And when I looked at who was writing the stories and covering community affairs and covering issues impacting our people, you know, I'm talking about black and brown communities. We don't, those people don't look like us. And when they are, they're on TV. But when you're reading the newspapers and when you're reading a lot of the major hard-hitting reported stories, those people don't look like us telling our stories and talking mm-hmm. about our community. And that meant something to me. And that was a gap that I said to myself, this is a problem that I think I can help solve and I can help fix. And this is something that I felt comfortable doing because I always knew how to write really well. And this was something that made me stand out. This was something that when I... Think about all of my friends and all the people I grew up with. The one thing that everyone said was, you can write. And so right in front of me, my career was in front of me um, and, and in a way that I never thought it was. Yeah, that, that's, that's, you're absolutely correct. Um, controlling the narrative, in terms of spe- specifically with our people, is very important. Um, a question I have for you is, because you've, you've written for a lot of major publications. Um, 
a lot of, yeah. a lot of stuff that, you know, everyone reads, the, the big boys. What was it like to see yeah. your first piece? What was your first piece that was published in a major publication? And what was that feeling like to see that? Oh, wow. I would say it was, I was uh, 21 and I was a junior at Penn at the time. And I got a chance to participate in an essay contest for Ariana Huffington. At the time, it was the Huffington Post. Now it's called HuffPost. Mm -hmm. And there was a contest because she was coming to Penn to speak as a, like a big Kamasan speaker, like a big symposium speaker. And she basically had this contest where she said, like, in 500 words, write about why the media is important. And she was looking at them, her team was looking at them, and they were going to pick the best piece. And whoever got that piece was going to get to meet her backstage and was going to get published on Huffington Post's website. So I was like, what? Like, let me, get, let me give this a shot. And I found at the last minute, wrote the piece, wrote the 500-word essay while I was in another class for a lecture because <laughs> the deadline was coming up. So I was not taking notes, which paid off. Um, but I was writing this essay. So I, I didn't even get the draft it. I, I, you know, I just kind of you know, did my thing. I kind of freestyled it. And then I uh, sent it um, to the people, the team over there. And then I think the next day I get a phone call that was like, yo, you won. I'm like, what? I, I won. And they're like, yeah. So I was not expecting that. So I had to run to the barber shop, uh, get a haircut, throw on my suit. I only had a couple <laughs> hours to get ready. Got a haircut, you know, didn't even make an appointment, so that was crazy. But my barber was looking out for me that day, and he knew what was going on, so he, he, he set me up right. And then I got there, went to the event, met her, shook her hand. And I gave her, I had a business card, because that's what they did in school. We all had business cards, even though we didn't have businesses at the time. But, you know, prep, you know, you, you, know, you have to dress the part. Mm -hmm. And so I gave her my card, um, you know, and was just very grateful. She gave me hers, and I sent her an email after the piece came out and just said, hey, thank you so much. Just did a follow-up, which is very crucial. People ignore the follow-up. So I said, hey, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I'm very grateful for this. Thanks a lot. You know, one day, I hope to write for you all in the future. That's kind of how I framed it. And she responded back and said, you know, thank you for your remarks. She CC'd her assistant and said, um, you know, if you like, we can set you an account and you can write for us now. Wow. And she set me up an account and I started writing for the HuffPost non-stop at that moment my career started yeah that's and i started nice. writing professionally yeah, like that that was in 2012. A, that's a gem right there Corey. like so for, for the people yeah. watching um yeah malik has a saying that the fortune is in the follow-up right because a lot of people don't follow yeah. up um in business in general so that follow-up got you, uh, you know, um, a job or, or an opportunity, I should say, that yeah, was opportunity, a lot of people yeah. would kill for. A lot of people would kill for at that point. Because I remember with the Huffington Post, well, I mean, it got to the Yeah, they were hot. Yeah, they were hot. They were the hottest thing on the internet. And, that was, and, and the thing was that a lot of people didn't know how old I was when I was writing. Um, that's how I started to build my following on social media. I had created my Twitter account at that time, around that time. I had began to really rebrand myself. And it was around that time and I had everything ready. So people thought I was older than what I was because no one actually really looked, looked me up. You know, they mm -hmm. just kind of just read what I was writing. I was writing very adult uh, work. Like I was writing, you know, I'm a, I was an adult, but I was writing uh, about topics and issues that someone in their 30s, 40s, 50s would write about. You know, yeah. um, I wasn't reading or seeing people my age write about the topics that I was talking about on a national platform in that kind of way.
yeah. um, especially especially people that were you know that were black you know we were limited on you know where we could write and, and i think you know just that so it was a crazy opportunity um you know i was writing up against like big scholars in the industry and you know seeing my byline right next to theirs on headlines and looking at the most popular list and i'm like okay there's eric michael dyson up here there's you know mark lamar hill right here yeah. and here i am right here you know it was it was surreal and it was it was my big break um to getting familiar with the internet getting familiar with the trolls getting familiar with uh, <laughs> the, the instant requests i mean this was i was groomed for it early yeah and, yeah. I, and I and i see that um you know so you use that platform to build up your own platform so you're very entrepreneurial in that mm-hmm. way. you have your own media company at this point um, yes i do but i see how you leveraged uh working for the, the various platforms to build your own platform um a question i have is do do do, do they have a problem with that some of these bigger platforms because you know you're you're basically uh moving everyone to your platform or do they just recognize I mean, that that's part of it it, it, I think they have to deal regardless. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just uh, they, they, media, they, media has changed. Like, so I just, I'm, I'm, very, changed. I mean, I'm very interested in how like this, this change of media and how it like really goes down. And that's an interest of mine. It's weird, but, um, but I see how you built your Twitter following. Yeah. I think part of it is just that at the end of the day, these companies cannot, a lot of these media companies cannot afford to get talent and pay them um, full time and, and get them to that point. And so when you're working with professional freelancers and independent contractors, there is a give and take. And a lot of newsrooms cannot afford mm-hmm. to have the big, huge 200 member editorial teams they used to have. And so what was replaced for them were um, temps, which are like, you know, basically temporary writers, uh, contracted writers, everyone else. And in doing that, came an agency and a freedom that um, those writers got because at that point, the same contracts, they, they weren't getting the same pay. And so for me, I found a hustle in it very early. I've never worked for a full-time media company in my entire life. I've always been contracted independent. And part of the reason why um, I was always invested in inter- and personally, I mean, trust and believe I've gotten offers. Some of these places would, would, would replace someone and would put me in in a heartbeat. But what I found out very early in my career was about the freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, the freedom to talk my, my, my stuff on social media, the freedom to be able to recognize my power and voice in these contracts. And also not in the contracts, but just also with the content. Every story that I've ever written, I have had a role in picking it. No one has told me or directed me and said to me, you're going to write about this and this is how you're going to write about it. I have been able to say, that for my entire career, I've been able to pick the stories I want to write about, the topics I want to write about. Um, and, you know, I've worked with editors and things like that, but I have had the agency. And also, I own my writing in a way that I can be able to use it for other things, put it in books and, okay. uh, you know, take quotes and move it there. But I, I, it's like being a music artist and owning the masters to your work. No, that's, and that's the best way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good that point. Is- yeah. yeah, that's gangster. Like, so you 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 you've been doing the the you you've had agency your entire career, and that and that freedom has allowed you to to blossom as a writer and do the things that you had to do as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and that and that's amazing. Yeah, so it's almost like you're. Yeah, partnering. but it's not easy. It's not easy though. Um, it it, didn't, it wasn't easy in the beginning because you have to remember, like, 
I'm going to a school where so many people go to Wall Street, they get big salaries, they are coming out, you know, you have to explain to your parents, like, I'm on, I was on Obamacare, right? Uh, because, you know, I get to stay on my mother's insurance until a certain age, like, I think up until 26. So then you have to go out and it's like, everyone's like, okay, you know, you went to this school, you got this Ivy degree, you know, you're supposed to be doing this, that, and the third, and this is in the early years, right? So it was having to overcome a lot of the egos and a lot of the, the expectations other people have for you. But, you know, for me, it wasn't about that. I had a vision. I knew what this, was, this business was. And I wasn't going to let people tell me about my career field and they weren't in it. So people who were telling me and giving me advice, I had to take a step back and say, well, are you in the media industry? Are you in journalism? Is this what you do? I get your concerns. But at the end of the day, this is my life and this is my reputation. This is my career. And if, it's, if, it, if, if the ship was going to tank, it was going to tank. If it didn't, it was going to do it. But I made personal sacrifices. Like for me, it's like, okay, when I first started off, I'm like, I don't want a home. I don't want a car. Like I don't, I, I don't want those things. I don't even know how to drive actually. Um, but these were the things that I was impressed with. There were people who they wanted to get a job so they could work 40, you know, 40, 60 hours a week um, and then have a, a house and be a homeowner and have a dog and, and I'm looking like, but you're 20, you're 21, you're 22. Like, I'm 28. Like, I just felt like there, there was a weird cultural exercise. this is what happens to a lot of young people that yes, come yes. from privileged backgrounds, people that come from Ivy schools where they want to be super, super grown so fast. Yeah, they feel like they like, have to. I they feel like up, they have to connect these dots. Like I have to do this by this age. They have this to do by this, this age. Immediately. And this, yeah, it's, yeah, it's and weird. I said to myself, it don't make sense. It's like, like I don't need a house. Like the kind of money they was making, the salary they were making. I mean, it's good money, but it was money that's like, what are you going to do with a hundred to some thousand dollars, and you don't have student debt, or you, you know, or somebody who want to just have this super, super expensive, expensive apartment in Manhattan just cause. Like I was just to me it. You know, being an entrepreneur and being a business owner early and thinking like that early taught me how to show the value of the work and to, to understand what the investment. So a lot of the money I was making back in the day um, was invested in my business. I put that money in my business. I put that money in my traveling. I put that money in training for my um, conventions uh, to network more. I put that money into the clothes I was wearing for interviews. I put that money into to the company. You and invested now, in yourself. You invested in yourself. I invested in myself. Yeah. I, I, I just was not going to spend money. I lived in a $450 studio apartment in Philadelphia on 50th and Arch. Got you. Got you. All right. I mean, you, you dropped a lot of gems right there because one of the things we yeah. often talk about is like lifestyle design. And that's about doing what you want to do and doing what works for you and not just trying to meet societal expectations that a lot of people fall, fall into that trap. And that is a trap. <laughs> that's that's it absolutely is. a trap. Yeah. Oh man, that, that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. You 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 just like he said, you dropped a million bars in there because you said you know you know instead of trying to do the things that everybody else wanted you to do, you said all right, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm not listening to people who don't know where I'm going. You know what I mean? Or right. you know what I mean? So that that makes a lot of sense as far as you know entre entrepreneurial pursuits, and and you know anybody in our audience that's listening to that you know, take heed to what he just said, you know, I, I know what I wanted and I wasn't listening to people who couldn't help me get there. So that's love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got a couple questions for you as a follow-up um, because again, yeah. I'm just interested in journalism. Um, where do you see the future of journalism? So we, 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 we see like, you know, the digital space and, and how crowded it's being. But like I said, I now see 
the actual writers becoming bigger than the platforms they write for. So what is the future of journalism in your opinion? I think that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to say that I was a part of the trend at the beginning, which is that you're going to see more journalists. Um, you're going to see the market get smaller as far as you're going to see fewer publications. I think there was a big wave in the earlier years of, oh, we're going to create all these niche publications and all these unique small blogs and things, and, and, and people are going to expand these things. But the money and the possibility is just not there to sustain these things. Because see, people can get the money to build the brands, but then they want to get writers and then they want quality. And it's like, well, you got to pay for that. And they don't have the budgets to pay for the quality. So it's like, it's easy to set up a publication, but then you have to recognize that writers and writers' rights, right? Writers need to get paid. Writers need to make a decent living. Writers, are, to do writing um, and to do really good journalism um, requires big budgets. And so that model is going to always be desired because viewers are going to want bigger, better, more innovation. And so I don't think you're going to see, you're going to see a couple of these publications shrink. You're going to see the ones like the New York Times and places like that continue to stay relevant and be strong. And they, they just got it right. They're like the Walmart of the business at this point. You're going to see those places stay, but a lot of these niche ones, they're going to get small or, or whatnot. But with writers specifically, you're going to see more writers because there's going to always be a desire for writers. You're going to see more writers. You're going to see more diversity of writers. You're going to see more entrepreneurial writers. You're going to see more that are like, you know what? I'm not going to work full time because I don't think the industry can sustain to keep all these people full time with raises, with promotions. So you're going to see more editors. You're going to see certain people. You're going to see the superstars stay on contract, right? But you're going to see some bigger stars, some other stars. It's going to be like, you know what? I write for four or five different publications simultaneously. Like I have always in my career been writing for more than five publications simultaneously. Like I, I stay getting contracts like every season I'm writing for new people. I got something with a national magazine coming out. I, I'm having another conversation right now, another national magazine. Like the, 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 the industry is looking for fresh new talent and people who, who got their stuff together. And so you're just going to see more of that, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, it's already happening right now, but it's just going to continue to be in that direction. The days of I'm going to start a magazine. <laughs> if, you don't got, if you're not Bill Gates or Jeff, Jeff Bezos or somebody who's got a big funder behind you, you can do that, but is it going to pop? Yeah. I mean, yeah, even, with big funding, even with big funding, I don't know how, how profitable moving forward magazine. Well, you know, I guess if it's digital, but at the same time, who knows? Um, but this is interesting. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm getting a, a lesson on the, um, the business of journalism is, is very interesting because, again, that's one of those things that um, have been around since the beginning of time. And you just like mm -hmm. you, know, you see it, you see it like just it, it's revolution. It's been revolutionized. Let's, lose, let's say that. Um, yeah. Now, as a writer, um, got a two, two part question before we get you out of here. As a writer, who are a couple of your favorite writers like, you know, that inspired you? So as you like were coming up, you, you read their work and say, oh, man, they're good. Who is who's some of the writers that have inspired you? Yeah, I will say. There's two that just stick to mind. So uh, Charles Blow, who's at the New York Times. Um, Charles Blow is a columnist who I've got to meet. He follows me on Twitter. I've met him. We've spoken. He knows who I am, which is, uh, I'm a stand. He's a columnist who <laughs> writes, who wrote a really good book called Fire Shut My Bones, 
which came out a couple of years ago and I read to and connected to it. He's um, a black bisexual um, journalist and he is also an author. He's also a commentator on, um, I think he's been on CNN and he's been on the great, I love his career. Like I, I looked at how he was able to be, you know, kind of really multimedia mm-hmm. and be a full self. He's from the South, you know, he went to Grambling. He's just, is someone who I thought like, that's the kind of career I'm trying to, you know, shoot after in that kind of way. Like his, he writes, you know, from the heart. And another guy, another, well, not another guy, another, actual woman who is incredible, Nicole Hannah-Jones. And she's also the New York Times Magazine. And she does a lot of stories around segregation in schools and redlining. And she is boss. And I also know her. And, I, and I've met her several times. And she's just great. I mean, she is fun because she's herself. I mean, she's good to be, she talks her stuff on social media, but she does some really great investigative writing and some really in-depth stuff, but she's also able to have her own voice and be opinionated in a way that is really refreshing and different. Um, and these are writers and people I love, love out there. I love Oprah, of course. I love Byron Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, these two just are Black people who own their own media companies that are like creating spaces for other Black people. And I have a unique relationship with both of them. So with Oprah, you know, I mean, I met Oprah and she, you know, she, you know, I gave me a chance of a lifetime to interview her and her people. Yeah, it's funny, like, when, you, when, you, when I Googled you, just do some research before we came on, that picture yeah. popped up, that pops up on your Google search. <laughs> the yeah, picture with a, you and Oprah. That's the shot, that's the shot. And then yeah. Byron Allen, I haven't met yet. I, 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 that's on my to-do list. I need to meet this man in person, but he owns the Griot. And I write for the Griot. And, and everyone who's there is black and He's given a lot of young, talented black people platforms like myself to get our first starts and getting some really good buzz and press. And so I love it, a black owned publication. And you know, one thing I tell people is that I, one of the things I've made important in my career is that no matter where I'm at, I've always support black media. I'm always on black media podcasts and shows, mm-hmm. whether it's WRD, whether it's, you know, doing an interview for the, the, um, the Tribune, whether it's being on the board of the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists, I'm always advocating for the importance of Black media, uh, specifically in the industry, because what we're at a time where they're talking about us, and we need to be talking about us. We Absolutely. need to be owning those stories. We need to be at the forefront of those stories. And I'm championing for a lot of journalists um, and media folks out there to tell our stories, to do these interviews, because there is a lot of money to be made out here. There's so many bags to secure out here. And there need to be black folks owning those black stories. Man, so that's, that's amazing. That's what I care about. Amazing point. Sure. Amazing point. Amazing point. Um, one more question. Uh, as a writer, I gotta get this too. Um, give me a yeah. couple, give me a couple of your favorite books that have inspired you. Um, I got your writers. Now give me a couple books that have inspired you along your journey. Uh-huh. Books. I mean, there's so many. Uh, I know. I know. As a writer, it's probably like thousands. But just give me a couple that yeah, come to I, mind. I got some. I got some. Uh, Fire Shut in My Bones by Charles Blow, which I talked about earlier, which is really great. Um, Wesley Laurie, who was a good friend of mine, has a book about They Can't Kill Us All that talks about Ferguson, and that's a really great book. Um, this is not a book, but it's a great project. The 1619 Project by Nicole Hannah-Jones. Yeah, I um, read that. I'm actually listening to the podcast now. That's, she, she's dope. That project is dope. People should know about that. Um, there's a friend of mine named Darnell Moore who um, has a great book that's out there. 
Um, our Eric Thomas has a book called Here For It uh, that just came out that's fire. Uh, Feminista Jones has a book right now um, about Black Twitter and about activism, about how she helped mobilize a movement um, called Reclaiming um, Our Space, which is really good. And Oh, gosh. I have a book that I'm writing in the works right now. Okay. I can't get into too many details. I have a book, I have a book agent right now, and I'm currently working on a book about some of my personal experiences and things. Um, so I'm when can we look forward early to that? Uh, yeah, when can we look forward to that? How, about how far off? Uh, within a year and a half, okay. I would say. Okay. It should be ready within a year and a half. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's a lot of great books. Um, and, I mean, of course, becoming by Michelle Obama. I don't think anybody should read that male, female, in between, whatever. That was a good book. I read should that. read that book. That was a good book. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you've, you've dropped a lot of gems on us, giving us a lot. I mean, I appreciate your time. A lot of the information you gave is powerful, especially about owning our stories, telling our stories. Um, and, you know, just the way you talk about ownership is very inspiring. But what's the future for you, Ernest? Like, what, what, do, what do you see uh, for your future outside of the book you're writing? Oh, well, I'm planning on getting, I'm getting married. I'm engaged currently. Okay, uh, so my wedding is thank you uh is next year so looking forward to that i'll be 30 next year i'm currently in a master's program at uh usc university of southern california's annaberg school of journalism communication so i'm getting my master's i should be done with that at the end of this year walk on the stage next spring in la so that's important so i got that um you know, every let me say something. Like in this industry, something is going down all the time. I I can't predict what it's going to be. I mean, I, I know, you, I know me, you've done TV. I know you've done TV before. I I want to keep doing that. Like, listen, there there are some people that have reached out to me about doing some things on TV. Honestly, the the fun thing I always say when I get, I get asked this question is, everything that I'm doing right now, I'm in love with. I want to keep doing what I'm doing now, but just bigger. So okay, what does answer. that mean? Bigger publications, bigger TV, bigger outlets, bigger checks. Like what I'm currently doing in my career right now, the setup is right. This, this setup that I've created for myself has been years in the making. It's, it's perfect. It's where I want to be. I get to work from home. I get to, you know, I, I get to serve my leadership boards. I'm in the right like environment. All I want to do is just enhance it. So, you know, I just wanted to be deluxe. Right now we super, but we want to be deluxe like next year. So that's just why that's where I'm at. Like everything I'm doing right now, I just want to upgrade it. Yeah, but it's amazing. a great, it's the right, it's the right car. It's always yeah. beautiful to talk to someone that's like you know um, that that knows what they want to do and found their passion and like you're in your lane and you just like you said, just bigger and better. Um, yeah. man, man, Core. Before we got in here, anything you want to say, Core? Uh, I just want to say, man, I'm proud of you. You're running full speed at your goals, and and you've already achieved what you you achieved and you running full speed at the things that you want to achieve. And so like super proud and super, you know, you, you're doing amazing things and I'm, I'm happy our audience is going to get a chance to meet somebody who, you know, can, can help them move in the way that you can. Absolutely. Cause the business, of journal, the business of journalism is important. That ownership piece is important on our stories. Like I can't stress that mm -hmm. enough. That's just so important. So I just want to say thank you much continued success to everything you're doing. Um, you know, we look forward to seeing you. Like I, I saw you on CNN a couple of times, so I'm looking forward to seeing you because you know I, I see you on all the big platforms. So continue, continue success, bro. I really appreciate your time. No, thank you so much. I appreciate you all. Yeah. And, uh, 
it's a great show and the, the platform is awesome. Keep, you know, just keep telling the stories and, and just spotlighting people out here. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And we're going to share all your information so people can get in contact with you if they want to. Um, for our audience, um, we got the Body Hood merch. Make sure you check that out um, in the description or as well as the show notes. Um, check out what Ernest has got going on um, and, and read some of his stories. He got some powerful stories. Uh, you went, he he went from being a, I, I saw he, he went from being a politician. He went from being a politician to putting all their dirt out there. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I read it. I read it. I read it. So, um, they got a lot of amazing yeah. work out there. And we'll make sure that we share that. And to the people out there, listen, um, ownership. We always talk about ownership. Listen, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, man. We love y'all. We will see y'all in the next episode. Peace.